Welcome to Living Water Radio. Do you feel weird about being a Christian? Maybe you should. Today, we're going to find out why. My name is Pastor David Burkadall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a Christian Church Disciples of Christ, United Church of Christ, ordained minister, focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer of the leadership of the more than 100 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Between the two of us, we have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. It was the day before what we call Palm Sunday, and less than a week before the Passover, and Jesus was sitting down with some of his closest friends on earth, and things got very weird. Last time, we told the first part of the story in John 12, verses 1 through 3, where Jesus and his disciples were present in Bethany at a celebratory meal held by Mary and Martha, sisters between whom Jesus has settled a fundamental dispute, and their brother Lazarus, who Jesus had recently raised from the dead. Yep, he was there too. In the course of the evening, Mary anoints Jesus' feet with roughly $37,200 worth of perfume— and then dried them with her hair. Then, things got even weirder. Here's the rest of the story in John 12, verses 4 through 8. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Yep, you think that this story can't get any weirder, and then we learn that Judas Iscariot, one of Jesus' inner circle, one of the twelve disciples, was a thief, an embezzler. Oh, and John incidentally also mentions that he was the one who was about to betray him. Judas was upset that Mary had poured out so much expensive perfume on Jesus' feet when it could have been sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. Which makes sense. Jesus ministered to the poor. A denarius was the daily wage of an unskilled laborer. So, by our standards, 1550 per hour times an eight-hour day times 300 days equals $37,200. Wouldn't Jesus want them to give it to the poor? Except Judas didn't care about the poor. He wanted that money in the common purse so that he could steal some of it. Judas raises his objection on good grounds, as would many today. How many people could be helped with $37,200? That much money could be life-changing, not just for one or two, but for many people. Though he was a thief, some of it presumably would have gone to help people. He didn't get that money, but he would soon sell Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver in exchange for identifying Jesus at night when the authorities came to arrest him. He didn't get it because Jesus' death was an exceptional, singular event. 
His death would be the pivotal event in world history. It was coming, and it wouldn't be long. It was time to prepare. In actuality, Mary was showing gratitude and honoring Jesus by humbly anointing his feet. As I said last time, what would you have done in gratitude for the life of your brother? How grateful would you be? What would you give in exchange for 15 more minutes with your parents or a friend or a loved one? Seen in that context, it doesn't seem so extravagant, does it? In effect, however, Mary poured out the nard to prepare Jesus' body for burial. Maybe she saw that things were not working out well for Jesus. Or maybe she wanted him to smell the flowers while he was still alive. Jesus' objection seems to be a callous remark. It seems dismissive of the genuine needs of the poor. It's reflective of Deuteronomy 15.11. Since there will never cease to be some in need on the earth, I therefore command you, open your hand to the poor and needy neighbor in your land. But I think of it as being a response along the same lines as to corporations or high-profile rich people who announce that they will provide matching funds. XYZ has announced that they will match every dollar given to the UVW cause for the next three days. Why doesn't XYZ just donate the money? They've already budgeted it. It doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. This money spent to honor Jesus doesn't have to mean less money spent to support the poor. In a similar vein, I would ask, how do our churches present themselves to the world? In an increasingly secular world, what does the world know about us or think that it knows about us? Certainly, the negative impressions dominate in the popular media, but what positive things are we known for? It appears to me that the only thing that we want the world to know about us is what side of the social divide we stand on, what our positions are on social issues, what social services we provide, and that we are friendly without being weird. We want to be liked and accepted. But the more secular our culture becomes, the weirder the expressions of our true character will be. This isn't anything new. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We are weird in the eyes of a secular culture. However, standing true to who we are presents a positive, particular alternative to the world that sin has made. If we do not make a clear proclamation of why we do what we do, we make the what we are doing no different than that of a secular organization using religious language. Jesus poured out his blood for our salvation, life for all who believe and are baptized. Let that expensive, extravagant gift be our message, the thing that we are known for. It may be weirder than the world's message, but it's true and it leads to new and eternal life. Today, let's remember to pray for all those who have yet to get the vaccines and the booster, because they are most at risk to themselves and to others. 
And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer sometime today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to either of the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune into the worship service they have available and support your church financially so that it will be fully functioning as we move now out of the variants and back into the new normal. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. They're trying to find their footing. They're trying to keep everybody happy. You know how impossible that is. Support them. Pray for them. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody, contact a friend or a relative, Google a local national hotline, talk with a professional, reach out. You are not alone. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time and into the light. Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly, get your vaccine. It's the one thing you can do to keep lowering the curve and to literally save lives. Do it for the sake of others. Avoid crowds if you can, and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. We all struggle in some way. Be a helper and an encourager. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.